What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel and Dennis Dick, Mitch Hot with you this morning. Hope you all had a nice, enjoyable, long weekend. I saw a couple people in our Benzinga.com chat yesterday saying, hey, where are they? Well, we were off with the rest of the U.S. markets, but we are back today. A lot to get to. We have earnings this morning from more banks. Of course, Netflix after the close today. Uh, lithium stocks are trading up. There's a deal in that space. Chinese stocks are trading up because their economy is actually growing or actually grew last year. So that's great for them, I guess. Uh, we have two guests on the docket today as well. Our first guest is Mish, Mish Schneider. She's the Director of Trading Education and Research for Market Gauge. And then at 9, we'll be joined by Andrew Channon. He is the co-founder of Procure AM. You may know them better as the proprietors of the Procure Space ETF, ticker UFO. So we're talking space stocks with Andrew at 9. Let's get to it. Hit that like button, everyone. Joel, how is your weekend? How are we doing this morning? Uh, good weekend, Spencer. Uh, good morning, traders and investors. We got good levels all over the place and everything this morning after that long weekend. S&P's up 27 and a quarter at 37.89.50. Crude up 14 cents at 52.56. Gold up eight bucks at 18.38. Silver up 44 cents at 25.31. And Bitcoin, that's up $1,480 at $37,100. And five. So here we are. It's already Tuesday. No one could have a bad Monday. Uh, Triple D, what did you see in those Canadian markets yesterday? 
Uh, whatever happens in the Canadian markets on a U.S. holiday seems to be not that great. Even my daughter appears to not like it. You can probably hear her crying in the background. But um, what happens is, I've seen this before again and again. You get these stocks that are widely, these Canadian stocks that are widely traded in the U.S., like a Shopify or even BlackBerry right now. Um, and, you know, that a lot of the pot stocks. And they'll have, you know, some significant moves in Canada. When the U.S. markets reopen, they kind of just go where the U.S. markets want them to be. So it's almost like the Canadian trading in a lot of cases doesn't even happen. They completely ignore it. Um, so a lot of times it's the fade trade is the move to do on those Canadian Monday holidays like a Martin Luther King Day. when Canadian, there's a, It's only a couple times a year where the Canadian markets are open in the U.S. or not. So, But in the case of BlackBerry, it's continued to go higher. Full disclosure, I am still long a little bit of BlackBerry. Um, but... You know, you're seeing some of these pot stocks that had big moves. I noticed Tilray was trading up in Canada. Well, it's down 4% here this morning. Um, you had, you know, Afria. Some of the other pot stocks were all ripping higher in Canada yesterday. And a lot of them have actually turned around and gone south here just early in the U.S. trading, even canopy growth. So it's always interesting when you know, the Canadian markets get ignored completely. Hard to do uh, arbitrage there, right? Well, the, uh, well, not really. If you want, you could just you know say, hey, they're probably going to ignore the move in Canada. Like, for instance, Canopy Growth was trading up yesterday, and it's down here this morning. If we go to Tilray, I'm just looking at the Canadian prices. Um, actually, if we go, well, Tilray is going to be trading off of, um, Tilray is going to be trading off of Afria. Uh, Afria with the merger. So maybe it's not the best example, but just be careful chasing a Canadian move if it's an interlisted stock. So if you're going over, I want to trade these Canadian stocks. Oh, look at this. You know, these stocks are ripping here. A lot of times those moves get retraced when the U.S. market's open because the U.S. markets will take them to where they want to be. Now, a lot of stocks are still trading higher because the markets have ripped overnight. I mean, even look at, you know, you could even argue Sunday's action, Joel, was kind of ignored by the market because we were down Sunday on the S&P futures. And, you know, that completely got erased. And maybe it's because, you know, this is just the buy the dip market and you give it enough time, it's going to eventually rip higher. But we were down, what, 10, 15 handles Sunday night? We, 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 got, uh, we got down Friday's low was uh, 41.50. We got a point below that to 40.50. And I'm not sure what time that was. And it just, I mean, after that, it was it was early in the session too. We kind of had that that week close or that mysterious week close had a little bit of follow through and actually made that low. Man, I wasn't in my desk there when you went down to forty fifty. So that was at ten o'clock on Sunday night. You matched Friday's low and boom. Double bottom, and here we are. We're almost back at Friday's Globex high. It's hard to be bearish. I mean, we continue to try to, you know, and I have lightened up the portfolio because I'm somewhat nervous. Like I've said before, Biden's not going to be as Wall Street friendly going forward as Trump is. But, I mean, right now it's all, you know, just stimulus, optimism. We're going. We're getting out of this. Biden's going to be the one to carry us past COVID. So all that trumps, pun fully intended, everything else. And that's why the market continues to grind its way higher so not throwing on the shorts but you know what i mean some of these stocks some have been you know had some significant moves and if you want to take some profits and that's what i did last week some of these stocks that have literally doubled in a month i was selling half and now i'm playing with the house's money these were like swing trades that i put on and you know everything has just went up i mean this is the market that just rewards any risk whatsoever you know you can say oh well i wish i would have bought this stock or i wish i would have bought this stock 
Well, any stock right now seems to just be going higher. I was analyzing my long-term portfolio again over the weekend. I don't look at it that often. But um, in my two main accounts, um, you know, I got like 25 holdings in the one account. I'm down one stock. It's CRM. In the other account, I'm down in about four or five. It's like Rocket, RKT, I'm down in. There's a couple. But, you know, I'm up in like 50 over there, too. I'm like 95% up or something like that. You're a genius. You know, my stocks. Well, you feel like, yeah, you, you're saying, oh, wow, I'm an investing genius. Well, I'm not an investing genius. I feel like I'm good at trading, but I'm not that, you know, I, investing, I don't focus on investing. I buy stocks. I do some swing trading. You know, I think I do okay at that kind of stuff, but it's not my bread and butter. My bread and butter is day trading. We've always talked about that. But I mean, everybody's account, if you're long stocks and you're primarily long, is is probably similar. Like, what's yours looks like, Spencer? What's your long-term account look like? Um, almost everything is up. I think I'm, yeah. like, I'm flat to down in like one maybe two positions but everything that everything that i've bought in the last 12 months is up yeah more or less. everything i mean the only like i said in the one account the one stock i'm down in is crm i only bought it a few weeks ago and i bought the earnings dip and it's continued to dip since then i bought the half size position remember whenever i buy a half size position still seems to be wrong what about yours joel are you like I mean, I, basically up in most of your stuff Lisa was starting to talk about some of them, and uh, I said I, I didn't want to hear about it. I just didn't want to. want to hear about it. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, at well, where do point, you go? I mean, but, but what I'm saying is there is so many people who think they've got this all figured out, like that TikTok video that was going viral on the weekend with TikTok investors, and they're saying, here's my big strategy, and it pays for all my bills. I buy the stock when it's going up. And when it stops going up, I sell it, and that's it. I mean, this is you know this I mean, he's is not, very he, reminiscent. He, he, he's not wrong. That's a great strategy. <laughs> oh no, he's not wrong. It's been totally working. But I will tell you, it's not this easy. It's not this easy. Everybody thinks it's this easy, but it's really not this easy. And there will be a day of reckoning, which I've said already. You know, it's going to happen where a lot of these investors that think they have it all figured out and are on margin are going to get hurt really bad. Uh, but, you know, who knows when that day is? You can't just bet on it all the time happening because if you're doing that, you're missing the boat and all these other people around you are actually getting rich on you. So, I mean, relatively speaking, you're getting worse off all the time if you're always focused just on the negative. So that's why, you know, I've been my, – my thought process has been we've been way overdone for a long time. But I still stay long because the technicals are still telling me that there's no real reason – to get full-on bearish and start getting on the shorts. I mean, I'm spooked to short anything. It seems like every time you short something, it's losing. It's a it's an automatic loser. So it's a tough market to, for the bears. So I'm just you know it, it's so interesting you know that everybody thinks they have it figured out like that TikTok in, in video, and I'll tell you a lot of people are just benefiting from an uptape. 1.9 trillion in stimulus coming in, so we're going to be proposed. So the you know. The, the stimulus put, the Fed put. Oh, it's huge. It's there. So there, We know all the reasons this has happened. And, you know, it's printing money, the printing press. I mean, you have assets. And, you know, another you know thing I was reading on the weekend, too, you know, somebody just you know, tweet, and I retweeted it, about Bitcoin. And, you know, it's basically saying, you know, it's inefficient in a, in a certain, because you know, it uses so much bloody energy. I mean, they were blaming one of the outages over in what country was it over the weekend, if you heard that, Spencer. They're blaming the whole power outage that they were having on Bitcoin mining. Really? I mean, 
you think about it really and you know what is bitcoin you know is are we all going to be transacting in bitcoin probably not i was like i kind of agree with all this this is a whole bearish case for bitcoin i was like i kind of agree with every single thing this person tweeted but i'm still staying long <laughs> because why well you know the technicals are still going higher it's the story even though i think the story is stupid I'm long it because the technicals are telling me long. I don't think the story is going away anytime soon. So I'm long something that I really think is intrinsically worthless, but it's the kind of market that is rewarding that behavior. So I'm participating along with it. I hope I don't get caught. All right, let's uh, let's go. We have some earnings this morning, and uh, I guess uh, let's start with Goldman Sachs uh, reported. Yep, this was out uh, about an hour ago, about 50 minutes ago now. Goldman Sachs, no surprise, really. They, they think they pretty much always beat. They beat on their EPS. Uh, they earned $12.08 per share last Money quarter man. versus a $7.47. They made $12 estimate. this quarter? Yep, yep. Sale, sales 11.7 versus about uh, versus a $10 billion estimate. So they beat that number as well. So they just blew it away. I feel like Goldman always beats. I'm, I'm going to look in the pro right now. I, I can't they, remember the last time they missed. I, I'm going to look. I'm let's, with you, Spencer. I don't remember Benzinger the last pro time says. Yeah, yeah, Goldman hasn't missed. Okay, that, I guess they. that's not true. They they missed. Well, last. All right, throwing last year out the window because last oh, yeah. year was crazy. It was crazy. Last time they missed on a uh, on a number was, was that Q3 2015. Five years. <laughs> it's um, and and Free you know PS. what? You look at this and you just think we've always said you know the valuation of Goldman Sachs is just dumb because it's so cheap. I mean, what yeah. is it trading? You know, making twelve dollars. You know, I don't know if they're gonna make twelve dollars every quarter, but let's just say, I think you can easily say they're gonna make thirty, forty dollars probably. What is their estimates for the full year? Do you have those? Uh, Throw you no. right under the bus here. No, I don't. Anyways, you can just you know, it's probably safe to say they're making thirty bucks. It's trading under ten times. I mean, you know, these have been you know discounted forever. You know, because I don't know why they just never give the banks much love. You know, even though they make money, they never give them much love. Maybe that's since the financial crisis and everybody got burned there. But it's a great company. They fire on all cylinders all the time. I. It's just the kind of company that it every sure time took you a buy while. it, they burn you. Finally made that new all-time high, you know. Yeah, it, but not, it's been years. I mean, I know. finally, like you're looking at a stock that has underperformed forever, you, despite you know the company performing, and you know finally the banks are getting love here now. So does this propel it to that next level? Is this the the climb for the banks coming here finally? I don't know. You Biden oh, coming in too. What does that? No, mean? yeah, I, that was, I was. What just does gonna... that mean? What what I was just going to say that I mean, uh, and I was looking at this at the J.P. Morgan too. I mean, these things hung out until November. You could have had the stock under two hundred dollars in November. I think you could have had J.P. Morgan at a hundred bucks in in November. Uh, Bank America was way down there as well. So they just they just kind of they perked up. Hard to talk about this technically because pretty wild stock, but oh, for sees sure. what happens. It just area of interest this morning for me. I only have one area, three ten fifty. You just had a couple highs surrounding that, so use that maybe as a potential exit point if you do get up there, or if you get to three twelve, three thirteen, and you come back down through it. But uh, seems to be a, a seller lur- just right now. Not a lot of shares, but someone lurking. At the three ten fifty area. 
So we had Goldman. Bank, did we get Bank America earnings We out? did get Bank America this morning. They beat on their EPS, 59 cents versus 55 cents. Missed slightly on their sales, 20.1 versus $20.6 billion. But who really cares about that? <laughs> well, the market apparently is selling Bank America right. off. I mean, let's talk about the bank earnings last week. Like, Wells Fargo, they're talking about going way back to Friday. I know it's been a long time ago, so it's easy to forget. But they hammered City and Wells. Yeah. Wells got absolutely hammered. I mean, they've been running $30 to almost $35 before the report actually did hit 35 the report. And they knocked it down. Like, I thought they might buy the dip earlier, so egg on my face. They did not. And they, this was, you know, this is what they do. It seems like the banks report good earnings. Sometimes they rally them a bit, but eventually they sell them off. So am I chasing Goldman up here this morning? Nope. Seven bucks. It hasn't paid to chase bank earnings in a long time. So I can't jump on board on chasing this time too. Although, you know, that's a great report. Bank America disappoints. Did they buy the dip on this? I don't know because they didn't buy the dip on the other one. But I would say you got a big number in $32. So if it gets all the way down to there... Maybe Bank America gets interesting, but it's a tough market to, uh, on the banks after you see what happened on Wells Fargo on Friday and Citigroup. Cause and, JP, and JP Morgan. Yeah, because JP Morgan had a good report. Yeah. And and it was trading down, too. I mean, it held up better than the other two. Maybe the Jamie Dimon put to a certain extent because they always seem to give JP Morgan a little bit more love because of Jamie Dimon. But they hit that Citigroup and Wells really hard. So that spooks me. That spooks me to buy the dip on Bank America. Maybe this is going to be the one that they're just going to, okay, well, they'll buy this one because we didn't buy the other ones. But that was was a hammering that they did. Look at this line in the sand you have for Citigroup here. Look at this. Just holding that gap area. Let's call it 5480. Look at that. One, two, three, four. Yeah. And then I also saw the, uh, the same thing on Wells Fargo. I would believe it was 32, just under 32. So, I mean, clearly, I mean, they start to fall into the gap area. You know, gaps have a have a propensity to be filled. Not always. Still waiting on a few. Uh, but uh, there you go for uh, for uh, your Wells Fargo, and then and JP Morgan. That was my pre-market prep stock of the day on Friday. And uh, what was interesting to me about J.P. Morgan, it's always wild on earnings day, uh, but you had, they had an all-time closing high, Dennis, on Thursday in J.P. Morgan, 141.17. And they took it to a lower open, took it to 41.65. But then on, I mean, a lower open, they took it down to 37.01, and then they rallied it. Couldn't get it much by that close, so I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on that one. I'm, I'm going to lead a little bit to the south side, uh, J.P. Morgan, until we can clear 141.17. That was your all-time closing high on Thursday. One thing to consider, a couple of people saying in the chat, too, is, you know, really when you look at the banks, I mean, what's the sexy story in the banks, uh, Spencer? I don't like, know. What, what is the sexy story? I mean, we know this market is the market of stories. It likes the sexy story. And, you know, you see the banks, and they've had a good run. You know, everybody's, this is their day. This is their time. They've been cheap forever. But we know in this market, cheap stocks just seem to stay cheap. So chasing these big moves in these banks, you know, it hasn't paid in the past. Maybe this is going to be different. And maybe, you know, you got a significant enough dip here now in some of these banks where you can nibble. But I just feel like this market is eventually going to move back into storied stocks and they're not going to be that interested in banks. So do you think the Robinhood traders coming in saying, oh, yeah, I love this Wells Fargo? I mean, they like a story. 
And that's really what has carried this market is, you know, these storied stocks that are like the EV, you know, the, the energy, the solar, you know, energy, you know, a, a lot of that's, you know, and obviously it's all individual stories as well. But this is the market of the storied stock. And if it doesn't have a cool, sexy story, it's underperforming. And I just don't see that changing anytime soon. All right, 820 here. We're going to have Mee Schneider on uh, at 835, so about, about 15 minutes. Uh, let's go to some M&A. we got some action this morning. It's M&A Tuesday. Some uh, M&A in the lithium space, and I will bring up my... What do we got? What do we got? My Benzinger Pro, so you can see hopefully the, that font is uh, not too small. I'll make it a little bigger. Lumentum is acquiring Coherent uh, in a deal valued of $5.7 billion as a cash and stock deal. So Coherent shareholders at COHR will receive $100 a share in cash plus 1.1851. Again, that's one. Ooh, that's going to be a complicated one for you. 1.1851 shares of Lumentum for every share of Coherent that they own. So, nice pop, nice premium paid. Obviously, it's not as high as you'd think because LITE is trading down 8%. We know on the stock deals, and this is partial stock, a significant amount of the money is stock that they often do hit the acquire, and this is no exception to the rule. I mean, you know, everybody keeps saying, why CRM keep going down? It's because, Kramer's right, it's because they paid the big premium for Workday. So they punish stocks for paying big premiums. They don't like it. Um, and in this case, LIT is paying a big premium as well. So does that make me inclined to come in and buy the momentum uh, dip right away? No, for the simple reason that we've seen, um, you know, CRM continue to go down. I think, you know, this could be, I think you're coming in on the day one and buying the stocks on the dip that are doing the acquiring. I, I, I'm not doing it. I want to wait till it stops going down. I want to wait till it starts at least basing or something. That's talking the LITE. We know now that COHR is simply going to trade off of LITE in that 1.1851 ratio. So you risk arbitrators, you got another deal to trade, which is always fun. Uh, but, you know, other than that, what are your thoughts here? I well, mean, you look I, at oh, LITE, oh, Joel. Would you buy the dip on this? Wait, real fast, uh, Dennis obviously meant Slack. He was saying Workday, but he it was because their ticker work, but he meant Sorry, Slack. Sorry, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, you confused day. me it's, it's a couple Tuesday. times on that one. <laughs> work. I brought up work. I actually brought up work in my own thing, so I don't know why I said Workday. Slack. Workday should have that ticker symbol. Why don't? Was it, maybe Workday will come out and take that ticker well, symbol now they off can. the merger. Yeah. They should do that. Workday, if you're listening, go take that ticker symbol, and then I won't look stupid. I doubt they're so, listening. Anyways, I did mean Slack, <laughs> obviously. I even brought up work. I don't know why I called it Workday. Live sure. shows. Trying to think right. fast. All Thinking right. faster yeah. than my brain works on a Tuesday morning after three days off. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see what – I mean, you, you you took a little uh, a little dip off uh, 90, uh, just under 96 back up i like to see what happens in it when and if it gets to 95 i see four lows in that area that's just technically speaking don't know what's going on with the r but that's where the last leg started of this rally was from 95 to 110 so 98 kind of no man's land but let's let's keep an eye on that 95 support over the next you know next couple days uh get there like i said don't know about today but if you did get a chance there the first time, could get a little bit of a bounce. So it looks like 94.51 to 95. When you get three, four lows, same area, like that formation. All right, a couple sympathy plays off this. LTHM is trading up, or it was last I checked. LAC, which I believe Dennis owns. 
I own both of those. You own both of those, okay. Yeah, yeah Dennis, morning, you gave us both those, didn't you? The... <laughs> Dennis, the chat. LAC was my own. I I don't Uh, think uh, you gave us LAC. I bought LAC for the simple reason that it was just. I bought LAC back in December because it was just massively. I was like, well, all the other lithium plays were gone. Why have it was a catch up trade? Why isn't this one gone? And then it doubles in like a month and a half, which is ridiculous in itself. So I actually sold half of my LAC last week. Mistake. Whenever you sell anything, it's a mistake, Joel. It's up 18%. Why'd I sell half? Dumb. Don't sell. It's the way this market is. You sell something you regretted like a day later. Uh. Uh, new new all-time high for LTHM. Uh, that looks like it's bumped. Man, you know, that monthly gets me a little nervous. Look at that. All those uh, monthly monthly bars and monthly highs so holy mackerel 24.50 looks like you have a little bit of seller in there full disclosure i'm long and plan to stay long you probably uh, can L- get a tread line here let's do it tre- we haven't done a trend line yet let's do it sure, sure while you do that lit is the etf but i would check it because i don't i don't believe that any of these stocks we just mentioned uh lithium uh or the momentum <gasps> look or, at that LLC almost on the first large. attempt Nice Almost. Uh, bring it down large a bit. weightings in the fund. So LIT is a confusing one because yeah. you automatically think, oh yeah, this is, and you look at the holdings. It's got, it's got like Samsung, LG, Tesla, some weird holdings in there. Yeah, Panasonic, a uh, bunch of uh, stuff that trades overseas uh, in Asia. ALB is the largest holding at twelve, at almost thirteen percent. That's a pure. That's a good lithium play. Yeah. They also have other stuff too. ALB is the stock that I screwed up the most. I was bullish lithium, and I had a bunch of ALB, and I sold it back during uh, the crisis back in like April or May because I was worried that everything was. I was worried about the zombie apocalypse back then, so hey, I sold I down got- at right, right right around the lows at sixty two. I think <laughs> that was a bad sale. Look, look at, <laughs> I look took at a this, loss on it. Look at this channel. Nice Never job, take a man. loss, I guess. Look at nice this job, channel. Bro. Look at that, nice. man. Well, buy here, right? And then sell here, right? It's a no, 24 No, don't sell. Now, right? That's the point. Don't no, sell. sell here. I sold no. half of that last week, too. Mistake. Yeah. Sell here. Look at that. I like that channel, and I don't draw channels much. Let's keep that on there for a little bit. That's channel handover. I like that one. Okay. All right. Well, let's go, let's go into uh, Asia here. Let's talk about China. Uh, they're the only economy that grew last year. You knew and that. And now all Chinese stocks are bid up this morning. Pretty much across the board. China's hot. The EEM has completely broken out. I mean, quietly, you know, it's been under, outperforming the U.S. market. Oh, oh finally. Signific- I know. This has been, and I'm long a lot of emerging markets funds. Um, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been 10 years of underperformance here. In the last month and a half, they're finally starting to outperform a bit. I don't know why, if this is going to be the time, or is this just going to be another opportunity to sell and you know to rebuy U.S. markets because it seems like the U.S. markets eventually outperform. But it's been a good run. Like you look at that EEM, it's been a pretty good run for the last couple of months, from 45 to 55. I know you newer traders, you say, "Oh, you're making 20% in two months. You suck." <laughs> but indexes, this is actually in normal markets, you know, pretty good. And we can compare it to the spy. Um, I know you're not making 100% a day like you're in some of these stocks, but EEM, long-term holding of mine, I'm happy if I'm making 20% in two months. So it's been a pretty good two months. 20% us, in two months? How about, how about 10, 12, 13, 14% a year? 
Well, yeah, that's. Exactly I mean, it used to be. Usually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it used to be if you're doing seven or eight or ten percent a year, you're doing pretty good. Now people <laughs> want to make. You didn't make a hundred percent of your money last year. You suck. <laughs> so tough to be a money. Tough to be a money manager. Oh, now, the right? expectations because oh, I didn't do this myself. I just bought Tesla last year and I made seven hundred percent of my money. I know everything. I mean, that's this you know market. That's what we're in. So, and Tesla, what's to stop? Like, what, let, let's go to Tesla. I mean, we get a little pullback, we get a little dip, but they come back and they buy right away again here. I'm, I don't know what derails it. Maybe it's when Kathy Wood says it's overvalued. <laughs> Maybe she controls this. Yeah, time. we so have gone. Kathy gets bearish. I guess we just got to stay bullish Tesla. I've said it. I think it's going to 1000 bucks. I said what? it was 700 I still think it's going to 1000 bucks halfway there. We got to start, know, to, the path we gotta to, start there. to show over again. We got to start to show over again. We haven't mentioned Kathy Wood in 28 mo- minutes. I know. It's, uh, I did. Do you see we're that? We're trying one? to go the whole show without ma- mentioning Kathy, but it's not. It's impossible because it's all her stocks that move all the time. Although her Friday night purchases, they didn't move as much as they normally did, probably because nobody's at their trading desk. But she did, I believe, by oh, I don't even have the list in front of me, Spencer. I'm really slow. <laughs> Neither do I, because I didn't pay attention. I'm going to look. Let's go see what Kathy was buying. Friday. We should have a little segment. Like, uh, Mitch, you got a bell well, we and whistle do. for we that. Do. It's not official. You should All have right. like someone, ch- uh, you know, like chopping wood or something. You got something like that on there on the we, sound, we, fancy we, soundboard, or is that only for the we other? We get it. We can other get shows. It. We can get Kathy it. Wood. We don't get a soundboard. Okay. So she bought more Teladoc. She bought EXAS, which she had bought before. She bought Oh, more. Exact Sciences? She's been, yeah, she's been buying I own that. Sciences. I own that. You, you got the Kathy Wood portfolio. She bought more Novartis, NVS. That doesn't matter. It's Nadir. Uh, Sarepta. She bought more Sarepta, <laughs> oh, SRPT. So that's trading higher. Standard deviation move on this one. She bought more TAC. She bought a lot of things. She bought more TAC, TAK. She, all the same stock she's been buying. She bought Shopify. She bought some Shopify. She bought more TXG. She bought more DocuSign. I think we already knew she was buying DocuSign. I got a small position along in that, just as a (laughs) trade. Uh, She bought more PayPal. That's trading up about three and a half bucks. She bought Caterpillar, Deer, NXPS. She bought everything. She bought too much stuff. That's why (laughs) the number trade up. She bought everything. She's getting too much money. She's just buying everything. TDY, ESLT, EXPC. She sold a few things. She seems to sell. Did she sell any Tesla? Wait, she's, she's no, buying, she did not sell any Tesla. On she's Friday. buying industrials. She's buying everything, man. Well, I, she bought cotton deer. All right. Hey, Dennis, what was that tweet you retweeted? Oh, you were pretty busy on uh, Twitter over the weekend. You're going to keep yeah. him in business, but some guy said that uh, he got in trouble with his wife yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it was like the, the thing, and he's like saying, uh, "Oh." Got in trouble with the wife during sex, called her the wrong name. And my wife looked at me and goes, who the hell is Kathy Wood? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're allowed to say that. It was funny. I laughed out loud when I read that. I, I did, too. <laughs> okay. 831. Dennis, you're always on Twitter. You, you, you are the Twitter king, man. Like when I, On the when weekends because the markets are, are closed. <laughs> I don't go on there when I'm trading stocks that much. So I'm not trading stocks on board. So I was like, ah, I'll do a little. Do tweaking. you do that on your phone? Yeah, or on the you... phone. No, really? on the phone. Yeah, gosh, I can never type that much on the phone. Oh my gosh, it's on the phone. I could barely dial people on the phone, let alone you would. If I did that from my phone, you'd be like calling me up and yelling at me that I have spelling errors and stuff. 
That's why I don't go use on the Twitter. Autocorrect. Turn on your uh, autocorrect. Yeah, Take sometimes autocorrect does some pretty weird stuff. So. Well, you got to reread your stuff. It's all yeah. called rereading what you tweeted <laughs> before right. you send all it. All right, <laughs> eight thirty-one, four minutes. Me Schneider. We are just hanging out here at thirty-seven eighty-eight. As I said, got some interesting levels to look at here in the spoos. Big old range because our true low is forty fifty. So double bottom from Friday and Monday. So. We are poised for uh, all-time high. That was made uh, all-time closing high. I'll just give you that as another target. 37.17.50. All right. Um, the short squeezes are continuing today. What do you got? And, uh, AMC. Well, AMC is, I guess, the new one. Uh, I, I've been waiting. I, I thought this one, too. Well, I think, we've, I think we've mentioned this like, we amongst, amongst ourselves. <laughs> Uh, I, I know I think I mentioned it to Mitch or Mitch mentioned it to me the other week, but we've been waiting and it's been it's been quiet until now. Don't be short stocks that might go bankrupt. <laughs> That's what they're looking for. They're like, oh, we got some high short interest. So why is there a headline here this morning? They just decided. I'll, I'll be honest. Today with you, is AMC I day. I don't know. I'll be honest. <laughs> really is there anything the pro? Uh, it, it, Do we even I think I my Doesn't assumption. Matter. My assumption is it's just a short squeeze. That's my assumption. Yeah. Well, we've seen how that you know goes for stocks like GameStop. So I don't like being short anything under five bucks right now. I'll tell you that much. And I'm spooked to be sure. I have some shorts on. I always have a few on. But man, you got to have a tight leash on some of these shorts. Don't let them get away from you because it's the type of market that they will get away from you. Um, I know AMC. I know it. I think eventually it is going out of business. I think eventually it's a zero. Could this hey, be a five dollar stock the, the before one, that happens? The one by it me could. closed. The one by me is gone. I mean, it 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 it's hard. It, it's hard for me to come in and say, "Oh, I think you know this is a good investment or good trade here because of a short squeeze because the company is in trouble." But man, there is the setup here to squeeze a few shorts. You could squeeze them up to four or five bucks in a hurry. So I'm not in it. I'm be scared to be short. I think I, I'm saying full scope. I think it's eventually a zero. I just think the path might have a couple squeezes in there before it gets there. Uh, someone got it very enthusiastic on Friday. Uh, Mitch pointed out uh, Thursday, 49, 50 million shares traded, 162 million traded on Friday. So the big bump up in volume. Uh, they haven't traded that much volume. Whew. I, I don't know. Uh, they traded 132 million. Just a word of caution here. They traded nine million on uh, November sixth, or and then the next day it went to three seventy seven on one hundred thirty three million, and that was the top. And then it ended up actually hit four thirty nine that day, so three seventy seven. We'll see. I mean, you got a target, you're buying it. You got a target. Look for some size. New York stocks trades a lot of volume. What about CMK? Is that a it's been rallying, and you know what? That could squeeze them too. Tell I was what, I brought it up when you were talking, actually, just on my own platform, just to see mm-hmm. where it is. It's up. I mean, it's been rocking and rolling too. Eight dollars back in November. It's twenty. Again, all these stocks. I'm just gonna say, don't get stuck with them because when the dust settles here, the, a lot of these stocks are. Going Ooh, to AMC Axe too. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, obviously, that's. A, that's a, I love that stock for a long time. It's a Walking Dead. 
content. So they don't confuse AMCX with AMC. But you know what? People maybe just confuse it. If get AMC to get other ladder in there. They yep. could get the symbols mixed up. AMC Networks, I'm buying that thing. That's, you know, the movie theater chain that's turning around. It's not the movie theater chain. It's the AMC Network. AMC Networks, which is on your cable and obviously content provider. It's The Walking Dead. So it's I not a uh, it's not an AMC where they they show X-rated shows. That's what that's what I thought it was. No, sorry. This uh, is what I liked for a long time though. Just as a content. Justin content is right asking. Now. now this is a good call here. He's asking yeah, about EPR property. I tell you, I don't know about these properties and these office reads and everything. I would be scared to death to be holding these things. I mean, you know where you're wrong though. You're using fundamentals. Oh, Remember, we shit. don't use fundamentals. This market doesn't like fundamentals. It's too, it's thinking too much. It looks like it's ready to squeeze them too. Well, I don't know what the short interest is on EPR properties, but it looks like it could squeeze them too. I, I, I do. It is a joke, and I agree with you, Joel. I mean, this is you know another one that holds a lot of real estate. I don't. Is EPR the one? I think EPR owns a lot of movie theater real estate. Doesn't That's it? why I think he's asking about it. Yeah. yeah, I think it does. I think it's like over half movie theaters. So this is like direct hit from movie theaters. I played this on the short side um, when we when the movie theaters were all in trouble back. I believe it was March and April when you can see the big fall. Um, but it's come back a long ways from those. Lows. They got it up on uh, not much volume here. You know, well, Joel, so someone... Joel, Joel, that, that's SPR. SPR. Yeah, we're looking at looking at EPR. <laughs> Well, that's up not by now. Well, that's all. Isn't that the same thing? They got it up on 420 shares. It's trade up one. Oh, but it's interesting. I mean, are we clearing 38? Are we going to clear 38 here today? That's what you need to know. Two highs in the same area. Uh, 37.86, 37.73. If there's no such thing as a triple top. Big bar on uh, Thursday. Paused on Friday. Yeah, let's see. This one has some chance. If you're the next target. Um, getting into the 39 handle, 39.22. See if you could get above 38, hold 38. He's still, he's got to run 60 cents to get there. So a little bit of work to do. Let's bring on our guest, Mish Schneider. She's director of trading education and research for Market Gauge, one of our longest running guests on our show here. Mish, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys. <laughs> Sorry, hope just hope, fixing my my volume so I can hear you. No, hope hope the year is off to a good start for you. Hope uh, hope you you got uh, a decent feel on things. How, how is your feel these days? Uh, what is what is your take on on what's happening out there in in, in these markets? Well, we've had a phenom we had a phenomenal twenty twenty and twenty twenty one has started out phenomenally. I was listening to you guys for a while, and yeah, this is the age of everyone looking like a genius when everything goes up and you happen to be lucky enough to be in something that is endorsed by, I heard you talking about Kathy Wood. So uh, um, yeah, we too, we're having an unbelievable time. We've had uh, all of our models last year that were involved in the NASDAQ All-Stars and the small cap uh, growth stocks. And then some of our ETF models, our alpha rotation, they've just been killing it. So that's the, the, the quants. And I run the discretionary trading and it's been great. It's been unbelievably great. This is the kind of market where people have noticed things like new investors coming in, uh, Robin Hood investors, but mom and pops, everybody wants to be in the market right now. And that's a great thing, but also, as you know, could also wind up being a scary thing. 
What's like the most surprising thing? I mean, you you look at the you know the pandemic, and you, I mean, the way the market reacted to the chaos on uh, Capitol Hill. I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of you know shocking things, but in in 2020, a two part question: like, what's like the thing that just like just made the least amount of sense to you, and then also like. It calling turns in the market, and you like to call the turns, and for the you know for the broad market, I mean it's just so hard to find a, an indicator or a particular level that would say, hey, you know, we got some work to do on the downside. Well, I you know the thing is is that nothing really was all that surprising. The initial reaction to the pandemic in February was definitely not surprising. And the fact that once the printing presses opened up and the market would start to recover was equally not surprising. This is a forward-looking market, so everybody believes that the virus is short-term and it turned out to be a great buy opportunity. I think probably if I had to pick one thing, the most surprising has been the underperformance of gold, maybe, um, as it's fallen out of favor with uh, a lot of the investors in place of Bitcoin and this whole debate, Bitcoin versus gold, which I do not participate in that debate. I think they're two completely different instruments that have overlap. So, yeah, for me, it's been with all of the indicators showing potential inflation coming in, although not everywhere, but certainly pockets that could lead to more inflation as we go forward. Now, Yellen talking, uh, I know in her confirmation hearing, she's going to speak so much about having even more stimulus. That's that to me is my, my surprise is gold. All right. How's the modern family doing? I know you have a lot of different characters in there if you want to talk about them. You know, individually as a group, but uh, it's always fun to hear about the way you break down the market with uh, the different sectors and the different names uh, that you have for them. Well, you know, Joel, we've been talking, as you said, through the years, and I don't think there was ever a time, I'm trying to remember, where we didn't talk about the modern family where I said that they were lagging behind NASDAQ and the S&P 500. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that was always our concern, even rallies. Well, we have to see Russell catch up. We have to see transportation catch up. We have to see retail catch up. Well, not only did they catch up, really in July is when they took the lead. So we were watching the charts on the weekly charts. And just for review for people who don't know me. So the modern family consists of the Russell 2000, the small cast, the, the retail, the XRT we like to use is the ETF. So basically brick and mortar, but also a lot of e-commerce, transportation, biotechnology, we use IVB, semiconductors, SMH, and uh, regional banks, uh, KRE. And we added crypto, by the way, to our family this year. I have a great little cartoon of him, which we haven't really launched yet. But anyway, in July, Granny Retail, our grandma, is the one that actually was the first one to break out over these key weekly moving averages. And I started writing, this is what I've been waiting for, for years, was the retail, the small caps, and the transportation to start rocking and rolling. And they have. So as long as they keep rocking and rolling, I think we can't be bearish. And these are the areas we want to see rock and roll because this is the real true economy. This is manufacturing supply side, transportation demand side, and retail consumer demand side. People are happy. Even, and, and, you know, people say, oh, what about the great divide between Wall Street and Main Street? 
I don't know how big the divide is. I think it's more of a media uh, term at this point than I, I, and this is, I always like to say, not to be dis insensitive to people who really have lost their jobs and people who are suffering. But there's a lot of people who have 401ks that have rocketed, people who have been investing and have done very well. So the modern family has led the charge. Mish, does the administration change concern you at all? Because we know Biden is looking at raising taxes, possible capital gains, dividends, even th throwing out the financial transaction tax to a certain extent. Do you think the market eventually starts to pay attention to that and gets concerned about taxes or does stimulus and, you know, the fact that Biden's going to be trying to be the one to get us past COVID, Trump, all that? I, I, before I answer that question, I just want to, I forgot regional banks because the regional banks, KRE, was the last to come up. And now, of course, you could see the banks are flying as well. Wow. So now back to the question. I know the concerns and I know that the concerns are legitimate based on what Biden has said in the past and, and based on what some of the Democratic uh, principles are generally when they're in charge. But I'm not really terribly worried about it. Uh, number one is, uh, yeah, he's got his hands full. We looking at the stock market, you know, if you put those blinders on, as I like to say, the stock market became the Disney World this year with Disney World being closed. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 I, and I don't see that going away just yet. We'll talk about one indicator that we should watch. But in terms of the actual what's really going on, the pandemic is still very much alive. The vaccine rollout isn't necessarily as robust as one would think. Um, when you look at what the Fed looks at, which is their inflationary indicators through personal consumption expenditures, food skyrocketed. But, you know, with gas and oil being down and transportation being stymied, when I say transportation, I mean personal transportation, other pockets, retail has not, I mean, even though the stocks have been great, the terms of how much people are buying has gone down. That's what they're looking at. And so I don't see with Yellen saying that we're still very much facing a recession and the need for stimulus and the idea of the fact that not only we have the pandemic, but also we have this social unrest, which, of course, everybody hopes simmers down as we go into Biden administration, but that may not necessarily happen. I think the last thing on his mind right now is a tax increase. Uh, the corporations may, it seems interesting to me that they were under a big magnifying glass for antitrust, particularly Facebook and you know Amazon and all of the, those type of companies, the FANG companies. And now with the censor, I don't know how much that's going to happen. It, it's really hard to know what behind the scenes will, will turn out. I do believe that some of the things that, that Biden has talked about is what we're seeing in the market is gonna do great. Like for example, cannabis, oh my God. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, cannabis has gone crazy because obviously a blue, uh, government might be more inclined to legalize it or at least make those federal banking restrictions less restrictive. Um, I believe that the green energy, which has just had a huge uh, um, sell-off, which was a good correction, is still a really good buy. And quite honestly, I don't think, uh, except for these large corporations, and if that's really where you're stuck putting your money and you're worried about the big tax increases in those corporations or maybe capital gains tax, I wouldn't worry about it yet. But I would say that if that happens, there's so much more opportunity in this market right now with all of the new issues, the IPOs, the SPACs. There's a whole new market out there. Uh, Mish, before I let you go, you, of course, uh, were a uh, commodities trader uh, back, back in the day in various uh, in various pits, I believe. Mm -hmm. 
And one of our astute listeners, uh, I guess, reads your note and saw that you're bullish on a number of agricultural commodities, wheat, corn, soybean, coffee. Um, explain that and then explain how you'd go about getting exposure to that trade. Okay. Well, yes. And I've been very vocal about the fact that starting really in um, pretty much September, we started buying corn, soybeans, uh, DBA. Uh, we also are in sugar and uh, coffee. We've been in and out. We're, we actually added to that position. And the reason is because, well, there's many reasons. Number one is with the, with the pandemic, we had a supply chain disruption. Number one, regardless, countries still need to feed their people, particularly China, which has a lot of people to feed. And so the demand for food started to go up while the supply between not only the, the, the chain disruptions and some of the tankers, which got stuck and trucks that couldn't get through, et cetera, et cetera. We also had a low labor force. Then on top of all of that, we've had, we have La Nina coming up this year, which is a, a drought inducing in certain countries like Brazil. Um, but we also had dry conditions even in the United States. And on, and on top of that, farmers, because they had such an oversupply for years, cut back on their production. So that was like the perfect storm for creating this surge that we've seen in the commodity prices, in the food commodities. And that's really been my theory in terms of what could be the spark for inflation that goes beyond what the Fed can manage. So far, that hasn't happened, but I'm keeping an eye on it. So, so in terms... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, why why own DBA, which is the 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 commodities uh, ETF that actually owns the physical goods and not like a, like an equity ETF, for example, like like Moo or or why go about owning DBA? Well, I like the exposure to having all of the different grains in there, number one. But we also own the actual, like you say, we don't own Moo, but we own uh, corn, C O R N, wheat, okay. W E A T. Uh, we were in soybeans, S-O-Y-B. Unfortunately, we got out a little too soon before it exploded. Sugar, we trained through cane. And coffee, we trade through J-O. And that's really what I was going to say. If you, want, if, you, if you want to gain exposure to the commodities, well, they're up a lot. Um, and so you have to kind of think about what your risk is. But I think they've just gotten started. I would look for any type of correction as a buy opportunity uh, in, in the, I, I think it's just getting going quite honestly, um, because there's, there's no solution to these problems that are so quick. Now there's another area that's very interesting to me and that's agricultural tech. And like John Deere, for example, which that stock has exploded. Um, and I heard you say Kathy Wood owns it, yes. But there's a few other stocks to be looking at in that space as well. And one of them, I was actually talking about it on Fox Business yesterday, is Seed, which is Origin. Um, it's called Origin. It's a China company that's working on that, that agricultural technology that we may need to see more of in the future, which is basically creating hybrid seeds. So if you can create seeds, then you can grow more food and you're not necessarily counting on outdoor farming. And I think that's going to be kind of a future here. So that's something to, to look at. So there's still a lot to do in that space. It's it's high up, like everything. But again, look for consolidation, correction, and you can get in. All right. This is the most we've spoken about commodities on our show in at least a year, I think. Uh, Mish Schneider is Director of Trading Education and Research for Market Gauge. Mish, as always, love your insights. Uh, glad to see you're doing well. We'll talk to you again. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Have a great year. Thanks, right. Mish. 
All right, uh, let's go to the chat. We're going to have Andrew Channon on from Procure AM on in about nine or so minutes. Ticker time? Uh, yeah, we'll do some ticker time. Uh, we didn't specifically talk about GameStop today. I don't know what if there was anything you guys want to say about it other than that, that it's just, it defies all so shorts, gravity. It's just this poster child for this market. It's punishing anybody who's short anything. So, you know, despite the company not firing on all cylinders, here's a company that's getting back years and years of losses on a short squeeze. It's incredible, really. I mean, we're going back to pricing of 2015. It's a stock that everybody has been punished in. And if you just held on long enough here, it was $3 back in August. It's $40. The stock is up with over 1,000% here. This is unbelievable. You're buying GameStop now, you're doing it backwards. But, I mean, how can you argue? Who knows when the squeeze ends? It's still GameStop at the end of it, but, man, I cannot believe the squeezes that we're seeing in this market. It makes me scared to short anything. Joel, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, Maybe not. GameStop. No, I, I, it, yeah. it, uh, it wasn't in my pick, but... Yeah. Someone owns right. it. it okay. Someone owns it in my Do you family. Own GameStop? A, a little bit, yeah. Oh, I, I, tell, I keep telling you, yeah. hey, my nephew well, I, hate I, it. I know you don't know half the stuff that Lisa owns. So Lisa's got yeah, GameStop. this is but this is one. They got just have Lisa Alconin. She's just like Kathy Wood. She picks all winners. <laughs> no, yeah, her, this her one. Hayden. Sell. It was my nephew Hayden did like this one, and he sold a little chunk at thirty three. And Holy. I told him after it made Genius. The, after it made the move up, I told him. That uh, you know, on that one crazy day when it what was that really crazy day? Uh, when it went from it hit hit 38.65 and it closed at 31.40. I said, just keep an eye on 31.40. I said, if it you know, if it breaches 31.40, it may start to give some back. And so far, the lowest low has been 33.05. So I'll have to cook up a new number because that 30, you know, move it up from 3140. So, yeah, I mean, I've read some things. And I didn't even read the Bearish article about it in Barron's because, I don't know. I don't know. I'm because, not going to cancel Because you know what it says. You know exactly yeah, what it says. Yeah, it's overvalued. Yeah, and game yeah. consoles. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 uh, real quick, let's talk SSP. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway disclosed a 24.9% yes. passive stake. This was late on Friday. Um, I actually saw it, and then I completely forgot about this all weekend until Dennis brought it up. Um, so the, just classic Buffett newspaper chain. This yeah. is a classic Buffett play. Yeah, I traded it Friday night. Um, apparently, nobody else is even paying attention to it, and I was like, I bought it. And I, I'm like, I can't. I bought it off the Buffett headline. I was like, I can't believe it's not going up. Um, it, What's the symbol? SPP. SSP. SSP. It, it literally sat there for like an hour and was hardly up. It was sitting in the low 15s after he bought it. I was like, "This is buff." I'm like, "I don't know why it's not going up, but maybe nobody's paying attention." And there was obviously some other people that bought it too, but it was sitting there in the low 15s forever after that came out. Then they announced it on CNBC and it ripped like 15 percent. They literally announced it on CNBC. I bet you an hour and a half after that 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 the filing came out. And then it just ripped like it's nobody's business. And I was like, this is just this market. It's just following like it does it can't dig, it can't do any homework, it has to wait to get here on CNBC. And you know, and then I sold into the CNBC pop because um it got way up to like sixteen eighty five or sixteen I, I don't know, it's seventeen. So I'm already okay, out, so I traded it Friday night, but I, I it was I it took a long time to respond to that. Which is really I, Well, it's a Friday, it's a That's know. I guess what it is. Nobody's at their desk except me. 
and the people who are watching CNBC, so they have to wait till they see it on CNBC. But, anyways, it is what it's it is. Inter- it's interesting that uh, because didn't he pay some other company to yeah. uh, yep. take his newspaper off his hands? Yep. That, that, and, yeah, he like he gave him a loan to buy his company. Yeah, and now and now he's going. I wonder what publications um, this this company is involved with. I just think it's interesting because it's it's a. And I know I'm saying a dirty word on this show, fundamentals, but it uh, it differs from what his fundamental approach was when he – I can't remember what he sold, but uh, interesting move. I have to do a little bit of more research. Dennis, 61750 is what it hit. Uh, where, back where did now, it go to? 1750? Right on the kisser, yep. Yep, twice. Yeah. I think yep. I sold up for 16s, so it's 1640 here this morning. Could this get love? I mean, Buffett is not – like the people in the chat are saying, you know, I've always said Buffett's the most influential, but is he anymore in this market? I don't know how many people are, are like really, oh, Warren Buffett. You know, it's not like it was. So it's a different market. I still follow Warren Buffett. Now, obviously, he's up 10%, so he still has major influence. But I just, you know, you see Kathy Wood, you know, bought something and it's ripping seconds after she buys it. And Warren Buffett doesn't rip till an hour and a half later when CNBC finally mentions it. I mean, this is this market. Uh, question from the chat. Uh, by the way, I hope my mic is louder now. Question from the chat. Dennis, are you still long Norwegian cruise lines? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, where is it? I haven't looked at it for a while. 25. I, I, I'm i long it for the play that this is like a hedge against, you know, or, or I don't know if it's a hedge, but it's, a, it's one of my only reopening. I don't have a lot of reopening plays. I probably should get more, but I, you know, I'm not 100% convinced that we're completely beyond this yet. But I was like, if we're going to get beyond COVID, this is going to be a stock that I think is going to start to take off. So if you start to see where, you know, the, the case load and you're starting to see it already with the lockdowns, at least here in Canada, where you're starting to see the cases starting to sl- starting to come down, mm-hmm. um, you know, the vaccine starts to get out there. I, I think the cruise lines are going to benefit in the second half. Again, the only reason I would take this trade off is if the vaccine does not work on the mutated strain. Um, as long as I don't see that headline, I think I'm staying long on CLH. Uh, you basically, and th- these lines, I just didn't put these lines up here willy-nilly. Uh, I put them up here a while ago. Uh, basically, high of the move was uh, 29. The low of the move was 18. Or I'm just talking about the most recent bump. So you're really holding this uh, this 50% area really nicely. and It's right around 24 bucks, and you can see... How it's held at one, two, three, and boom, boom, had another rally up. Held at one, two, three, rally up again. Held it. So, I mean, technically, just keeping an eye on that area, should rather see it get back up to 28.98 and break into the 30 handle, but certainly holding a majority of those moves and finding daily lows to support it. Uh, S&P still hanging up near the high. Well, we got 10 points higher. So we're, we're hanging in there. Still up nice, still up 24 and a quarter on the session. Really quiet. People must just listen to the show and not trade the S&Ps while we're on from that, 8 to 9. Really that quiet. Might, that might be it. Uh, real fast on the ratings front, uh, this morning there's a bunch of ratings. Uh, biggest yeah, one that, biggest one that I'm Everyone's seeing. Everyone's going to talk about Rocket. Yeah, that's the biggest one that I'm seeing is a JP Morgan downgrading Rocket to underweight, giving wow. it a $20 price target. They hate the street hates the stock. They do. Retail. Everybody hates the stock. I'm long it still. It's one of, like I said, I've got 
I don't know, probably 50 or 60 stocks in my long-term portfolio, and there's a handful that I'm down in. Like, I mean, like, I'm talking, like, six or seven stocks. Like, 90% up, 10% down. Rocket is one of them that I'm down in. Um, part of me just wants to get rid of it, but I feel like the day I sell is going to just rip off the next day. And this is also the bag holder bailout market. I feel like eventually something's going to bail me out on this one, too. But it's been a dog. It doesn't rally with anything. Like I this know. stock is just does not rally. I mean, we've been in an everything mar rallying market, and Rocket will not rally. This is just, you know, not the place to have your money. So completely talking against my book. The only reason is maybe there's a catch-up trade, and maybe eventually they buy this too because they're just looking for anything that hasn't gone. But, man, this has been just an awful, awful investment um, for a long time. So I don't know in if it a, turns in, it in around eventually. I like, yeah. I like the company. I like this. I thought there was a story here too. It's just the stock is just not performing. The underperformance has been incredible here. Uh, and um, IPO low was actually seventeen fifty. It came down there. The IPO low was defended. I mean, low rates, housing stocks ripping. Um, but you know, when, it just you know, doesn't. It, well, I don't know why. I don't know why it doesn't go up. I don't know why it can't catch a bit at all. So. Maybe the market knows something that we don't know. I don't know. I'm in yeah. it. I'm long it. It's just um, it just hasn't performed. All right. Let's bring on our guest here, Andrew Channing. He is the co-founder and CEO of Procure AM. Uh, they've, they've got the Procure Space ETF. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. So, full disclosure, we had Andrew on the show in early August, and then about a month month and a half two months sometime later about a month and a half later i went and bought a very small stake so this is the first time i'm actually interviewing someone who uh who manages an etf that i myself own um so andrew let's talk about ufo of course uh a lot of these stocks caught a bid last week on the news that kathy wood and arc invest are maybe launching their own or they at least filed to launch their own space uh etf uh, I guess, like, what, what was your reaction to that, and, and, and what does that mean for space investing? You know, we, we were not surprised, uh, you know, to see more people coming to market um, with potentially competing products. You know, we thought that space was a theme, a long-term theme, one that we were shocked that there hadn't been uh, a product available for investors previously, and one that we were thrilled to, to bring the first Pure Play Space ETF um, out for not just because we're excited about the the industry though, but also because I think there's a complete misunderstanding, or previously had been a complete misunderstanding of what the space industry is, and that it it is already a real industry. There are real companies making real money, and this is something that you know it, it has been transforming significantly over the last few decades with changes in um, where the spending and investment dollars are coming from, as well as the costs. Um, to enter the barriers to entry to space coming down significantly and really opening up the space economy. So, you know, I think it's just a sign of the times that we're seeing Kathy Woods, you know, coming up uh, and launching a space fund as well. But you know, I, th I think it's a positive for the industry as a whole. So, now, I think Spencer was talking about some of the holdings uh, in in this, uh, and I didn't pull them up, but uh, Virgin Galactic is not in your ETF. Virgin Galactic is in our ETF. Um, at uh, times, okay. it has been as high as uh, as the number one holding. Okay. Um, but after recent rebalances, I think it got brought down to close to 5%. And with uh, recent market gyrations, and really just um, some of the other space names 
um, just really rallying so strong, it's gotten uh, actually bumped out of the, the top 10. So there still is um, you know, decent size exposure to Virgin Galactic in the fund, just um, not currently in the top 10. So, Andrew, where is that exposure? Like, what types of companies? I, we know satellites, of course, but but talk about the exposure. Yeah, so you've got uh, satellite uh, manufacturers and operators and communications companies. Um, a lot of companies that also specialize in GPS. So, um, you know, think about uh, a company like Orbcom, which currently is our third largest holding. One of the things that they're doing is they're helping companies track their assets wherever they are around the world, whether that be freight or shipping. Um, even human assets now, we can track them. And for companies, it's extremely important to know where their things are in real time and the logistics that they can do and improve on from knowing this information in real time um, can help them save you know, immense amounts of money. So it's, uh, you know, satellites are certainly you know, something that people are familiar with, but don't have much exposure to, in my opinion, and something that UFO is really providing um, some unique and new exposures for portfolios. Um, but you, know, you have the communication side, you have rocket manufacturing um, and, and launch companies as well. And then a growing area that I don't think many people are either talking about or as concerned about is the militarization in defense of space. And you know, although a lot of those companies aren't necessarily pure play companies, um, our underlying index has made it so that um, up to 20% of the fund can be in these uh, more diversified, non-pure play space names that are, but are still major players in the space industry. So that's kind of where you'll find some of those um, diversified aerospace and defense names also in UFO. So I know UFO, UFO is rules-based, so you, you have to track the index. Uh, but do you know uh, how the index will approach SPACs? I know there are a number of SPACs out there that are trying to buy space related companies in some way. Do you know how, how those will be included, if at all? Uh, yeah, so you know, it, it's, it's pretty much it's up to the index and the rules, but we can look back to just uh, you know, a year plus ago um, when Virgin Galactic despacked. And so that name was added um, you know, out of the SPAC deal um, into the fund. And so you could look at to when the index had, had added that potentially as, as maybe a roadmap, um, you know, no guarantees there. But one of the important things with SPACs that I think a lot of people um, you know, aren't as familiar with is there's a chance that you know, they announce the deal company and it doesn't get cleared with voters and the deal falls through and the, the money gets returned to investors. And so to add a, a SPAC company that says that they're going to be acquiring something without it you know, fully de-SPACing, um, you know, you might not even get a space company at all. You might just get your money back um, or a discount on that money back. So um, certainly I know the index providers look at SPACs. I think they um, don't just jump on something, though, just because someone says, OK, this is the deal that we're going after now. So, um, you know, th there has been a roadmap for how SPACs have despacked and gotten added into the fund previously. So, Andrew, considering how early days we are still uh, in in space as a trade or space as an investment, I guess, do you ever wonder or does it concern you at all about just the stocks getting ahead of themselves, right? These valuations of, of, of these companies in your fund is getting a little bit ahead of themselves in this retail driven market that we're in right now. Or do you just not think about that because you're in this for the long term? Yeah, I think I learned a lot from the announcement last week. And you know, certainly space is something that I've been talking about um, as a really interesting industry for, for years now. Um, however, you know, the comments that I've seen throughout you know, social media and even 
um, you know, major media publications when that news came out, you'd think that there had never been a space ETF before. And, I, and I'm sitting here saying, hey, UFO's been out since <laughs> April 2019. You know, we've been telling, you know, investors, you know, around the world, basically, that this is a real industry. And here's a fund to get global instant diversification to companies around the world doing all different things across the space industry. And, you know, we've got research on our website and, and you know, really, you know, interesting things like our infographic that have been talking about these, you know, mega trends that have been enabling the space economy to get to where it is today and what we're seeing. So, you know, I see this as, hey, you know, there's, there's probably, you know, potentially still opportunity ahead if people are just finding out about UFO and realizing that the space industry is something that people can invest in. Now, you know, people front running an ETF that, you know, might launch with your know, 2 million in AUM out of the gate, thinking that they're you know, really getting ahead of it. You know, I, I don't know what the right play is, but, you know, we've we've had UFO out there for people that want this global diversification. And just because we're not an active fund doesn't mean there's not intelligent people working on building the rules for this index. So one of the, the co-creators of the index is a former director of the Space Foundation that was actually building an investable index for the Space Foundation prior to bringing this product um, over to us. So, um, you know, it, it's not that because we're not active doesn't mean that there's just some significant brain power looking at this industry as a whole. So could stuff be getting ahead of itself? I don't know. We're in, you know, crazy market times that are completely unprecedented. But to me, um, you know, I, I have, you know, a great excitement for the space industry, private, public, government agencies. I think everything that they're doing are some incredible missions and some of these other technological trends that we're seeing. Think like 5G cloud computing, um, even blockchain, internet of things and connected devices. These things wouldn't be possible without space-based systems. So I think people need to reevaluate how they view space and how important it is in our everyday lives already and how it may enable other technologies potentially down the line. And, and speaking of that private side of the market, of course, if you ask anybody on the street the name of a space company, they might they may say SpaceX, they may say Blue Origin. Um, are there any companies in the fund that, that, that have exposure to those via partnerships at, at all? Because I, I would imagine SpaceX is, is a huge driver of interest, right? Yeah, no, I think SpaceX is doing incredible things. And even though you know we don't have that pure play exposure because we don't hold any privately owned companies at this point, what SpaceX is doing is enabling so many other companies in the space industry and beyond to access space. So, for example, um, SpaceX sent um, a new Sirius for uh, Sirius radio satellite up, um, a new enhanced satellite to replace some of their more outdated uh, technology. Um, not only was it beneficial for, for Sirius to be able to send up a satellite for a lower cost than uh, you know, some of their previous ones, but they also were able to hire Maxar, our, our largest holding um, you know, as of today, who helped make that satellite. So think about companies that previously weren't sending satellites up into space, and then those satellite makers like a Maxar um, that are going to potentially be able to get new clients that they weren't able to before because those barriers to entry have gone down. So you know, across across the, the space industry, these companies that are producing satellites um, you know, are able to launch their own satellites at their communications company for less. Um, and have more access and spread more broadband around the planet. Um, you know, these are new new ways for companies that are already existing in the space to get their costs down. And then you look at you know, government agencies like, like a NASA or the ESA, if they're able to do their missions for less, whether it's sending things into outer space or sending people to the space station and beyond, because Elon Musk is able to help them lower the costs, that frees up their budget for other projects that they can do as well. So you know, we're, we're very encouraged, even though SpaceX isn't in the fund, the things that they're doing in Blue Origin and others are really helping the broader space industry. 
So where are we at in this? I mean, you you look at the different cycles of you know of uh, different sectors. The internet, uh, of course, just you know had its ups and downs, and then just it's constant up. So where are we at here in in the space cycle? Are we are you th- thinking we're just getting going? Is it established itself and it's kind of reaching middle ground? Where, where are we at in the ball game? Are we in the second or third inning, or still early, or fourth or fifth? I, we're just scratching the surface of space. If you look back to the early days of the space program, you know, space was almost entirely funded by governments and government agencies and entirely reliant upon government budgets continuing to get spent on space. Now we look at it and the commercial side of space has you know, completely opened up now. And so you know, we already know how you know, broadband and 5G and cloud computing and some of these other you know, uh, technologies that we've mentioned, how they're starting to be able to become um, you know, heavily reliant upon space. But let's look at what you know, some of these other bigger government projects maybe down the road, what they're doing and you know, what other new industries that could open up. Well, back to the militarization and defense side of space, let's look at China, one of our you know, current adversaries. Well, they have ambitions of setting up a permanent lunar colony by 2028. And there's a belief that they're trying to set up a permanent military installation on the moon by 2030. Now that's an ambitious goal. If you look at how our government in the US has spent on military and defense historically, we always try to be the leader, whatever frontier it is, whether it's you know, land, sea, air, cyberspace, now space force and outer space. This is something that we can't fall behind because the governments and the agencies that are putting up the infrastructure today, it's very possible that they have you know a chance to, to be the leader in space for you know, decades ahead, not just you know, months and years ahead. So if a country is able to access the moon and they're able to potentially block others from accessing the moon because they have a, a military installation, you know, what does that do for us? Well, you know, we can either get left behind and let someone else make the rules, or we can try to plow ahead so we can continue to be leaders and a dominant force in this new frontier because the types of businesses that, that space can open down the road as well, um, you know, the moon is extremely strategic. So, you know, us being able to get there and be able to help make the rules, um, you know, I think is extremely critical. So from a game theory standpoint, I think we're still very, very early. And, you know, as a, as a, you know, as the human race is concerned, we're always developing new technologies and some are further off than others, but, you know, we're starting to see more investment dollars being taken into some of these ideas, whether it's, you know, further off ideas like, you know, asteroid mining or things like being able to harness the power of the sun be able to power things back on Earth. These are all things that you know, we've seen that you know, the, the science is there to, to make these work. We just need to you know, build out the technology. So there's some really ambitious programs going on. And I think we're scratching the surface. So you're looking at, you're looking at you know, more military and you know, the commercial aspects of it uh, versus the consumer. Uh, and then, you know, I don't want to go into the whole thing about the next war being in space or anything like that. But what? final question for you, um, you know, and you look at space, uh, uh, not SpaceX, but um, SPCE. And what in 10 years, what percent of the United States population do you think are going to travel to outer space? <laughs> In the next 10 years, um, yeah, I don't think it will be a large percentage. I'd be shocked uh, you know, if, if any of us on this call uh, are, are up there. Uh, um, but, you know, they're still building their technology. You know, I think what's interesting about them is, you know, they haven't necessarily you know, sent their first space tourists up into outer space yet. 
and they're working on it. And some things have been delayed, whether from testing or from pandemic issues. But you know, they still have a, a pretty strong cash position and you know some staying power and interest to you know, ability to raise money in the public markets when it seems like they need to go out there. So you know, I, I think a lot of people may never want to go to space. But I talked to my five-year-old niece, and she tells me that she wants to be an astronaut. So um, you know, I think younger generations are becoming fascinated by space by the you know the, the new I call it the new wave of media coverage of space. So whether that's you know creating new entrepreneurs and people going up in Virgin uh, Galactic or Blue Origin or other competitors down the road, I'd, I'd be I'm more interested in seeing kind of what other technologies and competitors come to the space than trying to figure out you know the total addressable market in this area. But I think there's a ton of people that are fascinated by space, and if they can get the cost down, I think that's the true barrier, not the interest, but the the, the cost to actually have that you know once in a lifetime experience. Hey Dennis, maybe your old Star Wars thing is uh, maybe not too far off, right? <laughs> Wait, I have one more for you, Andrew. This is from our chat. I'm trying to find the exact question. Any companies that you're aware of uh, in the satellite uh, salvaging or maintenance uh, field? Yeah, you know, Maxar has done um, things like that in the past with uh, your robot, robotic arms to kind of help with uh, with repairs. Um, I, you know, companies are absolutely you know, working on this type of thing. I think your know, space debris is another one of those areas um, that, you know, we're not spending enough time or money on, but could become extremely significant. We start sending up tons of satellites into space, which we're hearing about with some of these um, you know, newer constellations. Um, you know, being able to, to clean up debris is going to be absolutely critical because you're going to have so much traffic and congestion in outer space that one satellite, you know, getting hit by space debris could create more space debris and take down you know, some significant space assets. So, um, you know, I know a lot of companies are working on things like that, especially on the defense side as well. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as a pure play kind of, uh, you know, satellite refurbisher in outer space while in orbit, um, you know, there's nothing currently in the fund, but I know that there's a lot of companies that are trying to work on various technologies to deal with those problems. Uh, Andrew, of course, previously launched the the hack ETF, and then like I think it was like less than a year later, the Sony hack happened, and that led to a lot of interest in that. So if there's ever if if there is any global headline around space in the next couple months, we'll know it's it's because of you. You did something. <laughs> we don't we don't know what you did, but you haven't, maybe you haven't done it yet. But that that's why. That's why. Uh, Andrew Chatton is the co-founder and CEO of Procure AM. Again, the Procure Space ETF ticker UFO. Andrew, we appreciate your time. As always, have a good one. Thanks so much. Pleasure being on. All right. Uh, that's going to be a wrap. And then again, full disclosure, I own like, like, a, like a handful of shares of, of just, UFO. Just you look at this, though, and you think like there's a good story in all these stocks, you know, and we've talked, you know, and obviously Mitch brought us MAXR back when it was $25, half this price. But I mean, especially with Kathy Woodster didn't get there. There's a story with a lot of these stocks, you know, as you know, the satellite story, but there's, you know, a lot of these have, you know, a, a good story. You could see how Robinhood could grab a hold of something like this too. I mean, I don't know how long the story, it's going to be all about the story, but this market for the last couple of years has been all about the story. I don't know if that continues, but I mean, this is a story in itself. You know, space, the story is there. The story is intact. I am long SPCE. Um, I, I look at a lot of the holdings in here, and I think, oh, these are storied stocks that could get hot, too. And this could be this is, this could be sexy, especially if a Kathy Wood, Wood gets behind it. So I I kind of like, you know, the, this this UFO. Dennis, you want to hear something crazy? So I, I've got 17 
positions in, in my my uh, my investing slash trading my non-retirement yep. portfolio right my fidelity yep. account 17 positions uh ufo my position is up 24 percent it is the fourth worst performer it's up it's up 24 percent there's a the catch-up trade here too it but again it's is the ETF. fourth worst performer of 17 it's up 24 percent since i bought yeah, it yeah i know it's and it's, I mean, a, it's up 24 percent and it's a bad performer but whenever you get a diverse Whenever you get a diversified ETF, you know, we're not saying UFO has been an underperformer. Whenever you get an ETF, there's going to be, it's not going to go up 100% a year or 200% a year because there's a diversification aspect to it. I mean, it's like, you know, you look at and compare it to the SPY, and what was SPY up last year? It wasn't up 24%. I mean, what were we up last year on SPY? Do we know? Like 11? 11. I mean, you think about this market where people are like, I need you to make 100% of your money. Well, if you're just investing in the overall market, you know, and a lot of my long-term holdings are, you know, I'm spying cues are a huge portion of my yeah. long-term investment account because I, I'm not Warren Buffett. You know, let's face it. You know, I'm not, you know, focused in putting hundreds of hours of research into my long-term portfolio. I'm a trader and I'm jumping in trades and my trading account kicked ass. But my long-term investing account? It's going around with the markets because I own all these stocks. I got like 80 stocks in there. I'm so diversified. There's no way my long-term portfolio, which I'm not, I'm looking at once every couple of weeks, is going to go up 100% a year. And people say, oh, why don't you just man- actively manage that money? Well, I'm prop. I don't need that money to manage because I'm using proprietary money, you know, where I'm, I'm using company money, Bright Trading's money, so which has a lot more money for me to use. So that's where I, you know, I'm using trade. That's the difference between prop, proprietary traders, you know, are using firm capital. So you know, they're using pooled money from all their other traders together to get you more, uh, to get you more capital to trade with. So I don't need that money. You know, I could go and actively trade my long-term investing account. But it seems like every time I actively trade my long-term investing account, I'm making bad decisions with it. So I'm like, oh, this stock's went up that much. I sell it. I'm better not to look at that stuff. But I mean, you got normal people, and they just have one account, and they're like, "Oh, I'm doing stock market stuff." So you know, they're not looking at buying an ETF because it's not fun to just go buy spy, buy Qs. But if you're a passive investor and you're making 11, 12, 13 percent on your money a year, you're that's, not doing that bad. That's awesome. I, I don't. You're not doing that, that bad. I, I'd prefer that than like the fifty percent years because that just gives me fear of heights well there so. isn't any once you diversify there's no 50 percent years i mean unless you're cherry picking little I'm, stocks yeah you, you, right. once you're if you're just passively holding which you are spencer you're not actively like how many trades did you make last year you know uh, how, well how, more than normal because it was a crazy year because fun uh, year yeah but, but i mean on most of this long-term I stuff i, I, I mean Joel's the same thing separating your trading and your investing about 20 trades last year yeah yeah like in your long-term investing account like i don't a lot of these stocks i don't touch so you know that long-term investing account you know is going to perform more in 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 a diversified portfolio perspective it's not going to go down 50 percent a year either though i mean if you're all in you know, on some of these high flyers, like you're buying GameStop. I'm putting all my money in GameStop. You know, and we saw, you know, and we're getting eight minutes before that close. So I'm going to have to go because I'm going to actually open. miss my open. Yep. But and i got to get out of some of these positions, these overnight positions. But um, if you're if just, longs, don't get out of them. <laughs> yeah, just hold along. <laughs> Joel, this is, how, this is how this market is. Real well, quick. I, I went on too many tangents. Forget it. That's well, okay. Right. It's, we're yeah. out of time. Uh, GM, Bye. GM, Microsoft, partnering with GM. GM getting okay. a big old boost here to work oh, on wow. the cruise. So that's why you just saw the big old pop in GM up nearly four sticks. Uh, pre-market high, 5407. 
Huge move, new all-time high here. It's moving forge a little bit too. So that's your reason for your your popping uh, in GM. Oh boy! All right, that's a wrap for us. Thanks to both our guests today, Mish Schneider and Andrew Channon. You can also catch this show on our podcast on every major podcast platform. For all of you podcast listeners, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Any questions, comments, concerns, email us, premarket at Benzinga.com. Thanks, of course, to all of you in our chat, all the comments, all the likes, all the super chats. Hit that like button below. We appreciate that. Takes half a second out of your day and it helps us a lot have everyone have a good rest i'm gonna throw one thing in here if this guy asked for lac so much you got up to 2584 on all this lithium news and now it's it's fading a little bit so you might have to pick a different level ahead of 2564 if you're looking to exit it hit there and it's now two bucks off he asked like 47 times so i wanted to get it in there go ahead spencer i'm sorry That's a wrap. We'll see you later. We'll be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern Time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.